Today's episode of the BS Podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network, as always, brought to you by SeatGeek. That's our presenting sponsor. For $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase on NBA tickets. It's really fun to go to NBA games. A lot of good games going on right now. All you have to do is use promo code BSNBA. Download the SeatGeek app or go right to SeatGeek.com. We are also brought to you by... One new podcast and one semi-new podcast that we uh, rolled out this week on TheRinger.com. One of them is the J.J. Reddick podcast, which has come to The Ringer Podcast Network. We put up a first episode with Joel Embiid, J.J.'s teammate on the Philadelphia 76ers. It's an awesome podcast. We were always jealous of it when it was on Yahoo. And uh, and I feel like it's finally at its rightful home. But J.J. and Joel talked about a whole bunch of stuff. He's going to be doing it. Um, as often as he can during the season, he's really good at podcasts. Um, I've be- actually been on that podcast and I had a great time, but if you want to subscribe to that, uh, subscribe to it on iTunes and whenever else you get your podcasts. Also binge mode is coming back. In fact, it's back tomorrow, Thursday. They're going to be trying to do it every week. Mallory Rubin and Jason Concepcion, basically just super smart, deep dives on things that they're obsessed about. Um, Whatever it might be, pop culture, sports, we'll see. But uh, it's all leading to next year when um, they're going to be throwing themselves into Harry Potter. So if you love binge mode Game of Thrones, get ready for binge mode Harry Potter coming next year. And in the meantime, they're going to be doing weekly deep dives. So if you subscribe to that, refresh your feed. If you have not subscribed yet, I would urge you to subscribe. It was one of our big hits of 2017. Very excited to have that on the Ringer Podcast Network coming again. And uh, don't forget about TheRinger.com. Every Friday I have a column there. I will have a column this week on TheRinger.com along with all the other great stuff we have. Coming up, the first part of my interview with Steve Kerr. We did a podcast uh, on Tuesday night, which we talked some basketball for about 15 minutes. Then we dived into a mailbag with listener questions that you guys sent in. And we're going to run part one of that. It was too long for one podcast, so we're splitting it up into two. Running part one on this, part two will run on Friday. And then uh, after that, we're going to call my buddy Joe House because we got to talk about this Tiger Woods thing. This is becoming super duper duper real. I need information. I need to know how to feel about this. I don't want to I want to uh, let my guard down and get hurt again. Anyway, that's all coming up first, Pearl Jam. Steve Kerr, we've been doing this almost, what, nine years? Since maybe 2008, I think, was the first time you came on my podcast? I couldn't tell you the year, but it's been it's been a long time. Now you have two more titles. You're coaching four of the best, like, 13 players in the league. I don't know. I'm really, I'm really proud of you. I used to just be, you, uh, you know, on Just one of my on buddies TV. on the pod, like me, <laughs> you, and Jacko, and All House, right. and now. So... We're doing a gimmick that we're going to do in a second about uh, I asked our great listeners for a lot of mailbag questions for you, and they were fantastic. Too many good questions almost. But uh, I want to talk because we haven't talked since you won the title. In my book, we talked about the disease of more and the year after and the FU edge and all these things. And you have now lived through two different generations of winning a title and then trying to figure out how to deal with it the year later. 
and this Warrior season, I think, is almost the best example of that because you win in 15, lose the game seven. You have the revenge title last year. Durant gets one. Everybody has one now. And now you're having like the classic year after season. Yeah. And you knew it was going to happen right away, right? Knew it. Knew yeah. it. Uh, having been through this in Chicago in 98, you know, 96 was brand new. We yeah. 72 win the title. 97, just like the, the season just picked up right where we left off. And then, nine, you know, 98, it's like, all right, now now everybody's exhausted. And you probably remember that that jazz series, Um you know, the one we, when you and Stockton were feuding like the Crips and the yeah, Bloods? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I think, you know, we were up 3-1, and it looked like we were in control, and then the, the Jazz came to yeah. Chicago and won game five. And now all of a sudden we're down 17 or 18 in the second quarter in game six, and Scotty's riding a bike in the hallway because his back is tight. It just felt like we were running on fumes, yeah. and we were really dangerously close to losing that series. And But that, that year started out the same way ours has started out. Actually, even worse, we were 8-7 and seven that year. In 98, we had some injuries. It, there was We had the whole Pippen contract thing was a Pippen disaster. Pippen contract stuff, and he was injured to start the year, and he was feuding with Jerry Krause. And, um, so we, did, we don't have the drama this year that that team had, but it's similar in that it's just human nature. Um, the motivation uh, wanes a little bit. Yeah. And the, the edge, you lose your edge. We don't have any of the disease of me or – yeah, I always forget. I, I I need to go back and look at Riley's book. It's been more or me. I, I think I, he wrote more, but then it became me, and I don't know whether it's me or more. But yeah, anyway, doesn't we, seem the, like you have it. We don't have it. Our guys yeah. don't have it. Uh, but there's a malaise that has settled in based on, um, you know, it's a long ways off until the playoffs start, and and uh, we just don't have that same edge that we've had the last couple of years. And I'm perfectly fine with it because, like I said, it's human nature, and we've got to kind of in some ways, pace ourselves and get to the end of the year. Well, the only really dangerous thing that happened here was when the Celtics just kicked your asses. <laughs> I mean, it's really, they Always sent such a message. Back to Boston. Nah, they oh. sent such a message. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you guys were rattled after, I'm sure. Durant, now he's thinking about Jalen Brown every night. How do I deal with this guy? Nightmare. I've never seen anything like it. He told me he couldn't be. sleep. <laughs> that was such a funny loss, though, because you just missed so many open shots. Like, you probably should have won by 20 and the Celtics didn't even play well. You just missed shots the whole game. And, yeah, but you know, I was the, still encouraged. But you know, I always think that when you miss open shots um, in certain games, it's you know some games you're just missing open shots. But when you're playing against a really good defensive team that challenges every shot, then the open ones are more difficult. If that right. makes sense, you know, like you can kind of feel in a game whether you're going to get whatever you want or not. And so you Boston, like the defense in that I game? I do. Yeah, Boston's defense is excellent, and they've done a great job. I mean, I think what what Danny has done. What he's understood, which is what Bob Myers has done with our roster, is this league is all about having a bunch of six, seven guys who can switch and guard the perimeter and, and are right. strong enough to guard inside. And, and um, you know, when I remember when Danny took Jalen Brown, it was kind of controversial. Like all the Celtics fans were like, who the hell's Jalen Brown? Yeah. You know, playing at Berkeley all the way across the country. Um, but I had watched Jalen. Um, that whole year because my son was a walk-on on the Cal team. Yeah. And I even drove Jalen to a couple Warriors games um, that year when my son would bring him to a game and sit in our seats. I, I'm sure it was some kind of an NBA violation. I hope uh, <laughs> probably, I, hope I don't fine. get retroactively fined. <laughs> uh, but, uh, I, you know, I, I, was, I was just blown away with what a great kid he was. But I went to a lot of the games and watched, and you could just see that 
he was a modern type player uh, that that is really effective in the league. You couldn't tell if he had the offensive skill yet. Yeah. And I think that's still growing, but you could see the size, the the intelligence, the defensive potential, it was all there. Well, I remember after the Tatum pick, you emailed, you texted me and you said, I know what Danny's doing. He's He just wants these guys who can switch. This is really yeah. smart. And not a lot of other people in my life were telling me that. A lot of people are like, what the hell are they doing? They're trading yeah. down. But yeah, I think you're right. I, th- I think... You know, we're now transitioning to this different stage of the league with this interchangeability, I guess is the word. word? But you have it in spades, and you have the added bonus of having Durant, who's the seven-foot-tall guy who can play four positions. Um, You can really do whatever you want. And I I agree with you. It just seems like it's an on-off switch season, and at some point everybody's going to look at each other, and you'll rip off a streak and you'll go. The one thing, though, the Draymond thing, with just like his motor and his personality and the intensity that he plays with, now that he's won a couple titles, we saw this happen with the uh, the Pistons in the mid two thousands, where Ben Wallace played a certain way and he had certain intensity every night. And after you've been in the finals this many times, how do you sustain that for a hundred games? Yeah. And I, I think for the first time, I feel like I've seen him struggle with that a little bit. How do I keep that on button? And with Draymond, he's always trying to find the balance between keeping the edge and keeping um, composure. You know, yeah. that's what makes him great is that he walks that line. Right. And sometimes he crosses it, which I like. You know, yeah. I, I actually like that we have that edge because the rest of our guys are just so calm and nice guys. Nice yeah. guys, and and uh, so we need that edge. It's you know not in the exact same way that Rodman gave gave that to us in Chicago, but a similar way, kind of like the, you don't know what you're going to get and and. Uh, and the chip on the shoulder and all that. And, and you're right, it's, uh, he plays so hard, and he has to, to uh, guard so many people. And to do that night in and night out, uh, year after year, it's incredibly taxing. And I think he's doing a good job right now of uh, finding the balance. Um, he's, he hasn't been at his best, but none of our guys have been at their best. But we're, as we speak, 15 and 6, um, you know, uh, about a 60-win pace, which is, you know, that's great. Oh, congratulations. 60 wins. Come on. Get <laughs> exactly. get it together. I think yeah. you're on the hot seat. Right. Um, do you think the league's more talented now or in 93? So 93 would be the, the third Jordan season Yeah. with Barkley, Carl Malone, Robinson, Hakeem, all those guys. It was just all of a sudden super loaded. Hardaway, Kevin Johnson, yeah. Reggie Lewis. It just went on down the line. All of a sudden there was like 30 great players. And now it feels like we're super loaded again. It's almost yeah. like every team has – like New Orleans has, I would say, two of the top ten guys in the league right, right now, yeah. and they're not even a contender. Yeah. Um, what, do you, what do you think from a talent standpoint? What, which generation was better? Well, the, the generations are dramatically different, and I think they're both loaded. Um, what's different, though, is that for whatever reason, that in the early 90s we had a ton of dominant big men. Yeah. And we don't have dominant big men anymore. Some of it is the rules – um, it's a lot easier to defend uh, low post stuff yeah. because you can kind of zone and you can do some things that were would have been illegal back then. And then I think some of it, too, is the way kids are being raised through the developmental system. In our yeah, country. we've talked about that, the AAU mentality. Yeah, shoot like the guys threes. are shooting threes. It's more fun to shoot threes and to, to dribble through your legs at the three-point line and cross over a guy than it is to work on your – 
Tim Duncan, Kevin McHale, all right. those moves. And, and so you just don't see as much of that anymore. I think this generation of players is as talented as anything I've ever seen. It's sort of shocking. Like, I watched the Duke game the other night. Bagley. Oh, we were just goodness. talking about him. Oh, oh my God. Yeah, and I'm not allowed to You're not allowed to talk about names, him. So I'm yeah. not going to say names. I'm just, but I'm going to say that when I watch a high level college game and I think back to my college games, I'm right. Like, now, these guys didn't exist when I was playing, but, um, but, but it's different. It's a younger, so it's, it's incredibly talented uh, yeah. crop. But less sophisticated because the guys in the early '90s generally had played three or four years. Patrick Ewing, Michael Jordan, you know, they they played multiple years in college, so they were more prepared and I think more fundamentally sound. But the talent level right now, just off the charts. Drummond killed the Celtics last night, and it was like one of those old school center performances, which has happened a few times. There was the Sixers Warriors game, which you guys ended up coming back and winning in Philly. There was a couple moments there with when Draymond trying to guard Embiid where I think everybody had the same feeling like, oh, my God, he's 10 inches <laughs> shorter than Embiid. Right. How is this going to work? But, you know, Whiteside, Dwight Howard's made a comeback. Centers have become less relevant, but also it seems like they become a gimmick as teams try to figure out what to do against you. Mm. You know, I don't know if it lasts. I don't know if it's a November thing, but... Uh, well, Detroit's kind of ch changed the way they're using Drummond, which is really interesting. Yeah. You know, they're putting him at the high post as a passer, and he's yeah. running a lot of dribble handoffs. And and uh, I think Stan has really done a great job with him. He's making his free throws. He um, has a new routine. He does the one little dribble, lean forward, pops yeah. it up. Yeah, yeah well, he's been good. I was watching a game with Ron Adams the other night, and uh, Ron said he's shooting them like Oscar Robertson used to shoot them. Oh, wow. And I said, Ron, I don't know <laughs> yeah. how Oscar Sorry, shot free throws, but I trust you. I, I believe it. But, uh, no, I, I think the um, it is. I think that's the hardest thing for the average NBA fan to understand is that it's so hard nowadays to post a guy on the low block and just throw him the ball and expect him to score like it was 20 years ago because of the rule change. You can literally front him and get a guy behind him and play a zone um, these days. Tom Thibodeau really kind of popularized this defense with KG in Boston 10 yeah. years ago. Like, And so D'Antoni was like the, 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 the counter to that was, all right, we're just going to put five shooters on the floor. So the rule changes in the early part of this century really have dramatically changed the game as coaches have adapted to them. Well, it helps when you have Kevin Durant and Steph Curry in your team. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever the rule changes are probably work. Uh, all right, we're doing the mailbag. First one's from Sean Hardy. Now, I don't know, maybe I went through like a 1,000 questions today in a, a couple of hours, so I missed some. I'm sorry, people out there, but I did get a good chunk of them. A lot of the same question that I'm about to read, so we'll just get it over with. Do you ever think about what would have happened if you took the Knicks job out of loyalty and appreciation for Phil Jackson? Where would you be now? I honestly, It's a great question. Yeah, it's a great question. Honestly, I would probably be back doing TV. You'd um, be done. I, I think that's a three-year-and-out job, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, that's just the history of the league. Be back with Marv. Which would be great. You would have lost two titles. It would be great. I mean, I loved my, my TNT days, uh, eight years of that, working with Marv. And it's a great life. But, um, yeah, I mean, every coach in the NBA knows that um, you're totally dependent on your talent. And uh, obviously I ended up in this amazing 
opportunity. How close was it? Like 55-45 Warriors, 53-47? The, the, the deal was it was the timing was totally off. If, it had, if the two jobs had opened at the same time, it wouldn't have been an, an issue. But the Knicks offered me the job before the Warriors job was even open. Right. So I was contemplating it for a few weeks, trying to wrap my head around it. I didn't feel it. It didn't feel right. But it was Phil Jackson, and it was the Knicks, and it was like, coaching and you know wow I, this is an amazing opportunity but I couldn't wrap my head around it but um, literally two to three weeks after they offered me the job was when uh, the Warriors job opened up and they called me and then it was like oh wait a second you know yeah I'm from California they got all this talent oh my god my daughter goes to Cal like what, what am I you know this is at that point it became pretty easy one more break to talk about Uber don't be the guy who winds up parking 15 blocks from the arena. It's too cold out there for that. Request an Uber ride anytime with the Uber app. Uber is a safe and comfortable way to get to where you need to be. For sporting events, you won't have to pay for parking or spend time looking for a spot. Grab a ride to your company's holiday party or a night out with friends and family. Or if you're getting late into the office, take an Uber, work from the car. Book your Uber in advance for a truly stress-free experience. Uber is the better way to get anywhere you have to be. You'll know the price before you book a trip. Pay directly in the app. It is it is uh, used widely by the Ringer staff. The biggest thing that has changed in the last six years living in L.A., uh, especially for the young people that I've worked with, is uh, Uber and the ability to just hop in a car and go wherever you want. Install the Uber app today from the App Store or Google Play. New riders who use my code Bill Simmons. That's right, Bill Simmons, my name, will get $5 off their first three rides that's code Bill Simmons. Offer is for new users only. You get $5 off your first three rides. Uber, the better way to get anywhere you have to be. Back to Steve Kerr. David from Ohio asks, if the 92 Cavs played right now, would you and Mark Price have been the Splash Brothers? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Oh, it's man. possible. Yeah, but when you can't get a shot off, the semi Splash you know, Brothers. You can't yeah. really be a Splash Brother when you can only shoot a wide open spot up <laughs> shot that somebody else has to create for you. You're the Splash Uncles, <laughs> Siku in Boston, your favorite teammate ever, and why? Can I can I wait, can I go back to the Splash Brothers? Yeah, please. Thing? Do. I don't know if you saw this quote, uh, Nick Young, who's awesome. I love Nick. He's just yeah. hilarious. Somebody asked him a couple of weeks ago, "Are are you?" Are you now one of the Splash Brothers? <laughs> and he wasn't playing much at the time. I think he just had a DNP. He said, well, yeah, except I'm the brother that just got out of the pen. <laughs> one of the great quotes of the season by Nick. <laughs> so he's been good for team chemistry. He's great. He's yeah. always got a smile on his face. And uh, you, had, you, you achieved your dream of having a lot of characters in the locker room, benevolent characters. We got, we got, we got good guys. We got, uh, we got characters. JaVale is a, a character. JaVale is uh, beloved. He's beloved. Beloved he's teammate. Guy. Yeah, yeah. He's fantastic. So, yeah, we're, we're lucky. We got good guys. All right, what was the next one? Your favorite teammate ever and why from Siku in Boston. Um, he, you can use Arizona if you want. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, favorite well, teammate ever. He didn't specify NBA. Yeah. Uh, maybe Sean Elliott then. I was going to say Tim Duncan. Yeah. Um, That's kind of cliche. Tim Duncan gets it. Everybody calls Tim Duncan. Duncan. But Sean Elliott was the the Tim Duncan of my uh, college career. You know, player of the year, uh, unbelievably uh, dominant and um, modest and humble and yet amazing player and, like, great team guy. I mean, he was the the reason we were – we went to the Final Four. He was the reason we were – 
um, as good as we were, and and that the program took off because he was uh, he was just a uh, as good of a player as he was. He was just a, like a, an awesome personality. Kind of the last era of when guys used to stay a couple years in college. Yeah, he stayed all four. Tate, you would have loved that college season. Sean Elliott and Glenn Rice. Fantastic. Danny Ferry was... Yeah, uh, a lot of good ones that year. A lot of people, you felt like they were in your lives for a couple years, whereas now it's eight months. That was the difference, right, with college basketball. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Danny Manning was there. I think Danny stayed four years, if I'm not mistaken. And and that's where the real difference is with college basketball. Back then, you, you literally got to know the... The players over the course. Remember St. John's? I remember Chris Mullen as the fat yeah. freshman, and then eventually <laughs> it's like, wow, he's the best part yeah, of the team now. That's right. Uh, a couple of Jordan questions. Kevin Murray, the most intense Jordan practice story you can tell. You don't have to tell the story about the fight because everybody knows that one. Um, every every day was there was no most intense. It was no, every day he was it a was psycho. Every day he was psycho, and that's I've never seen anything like it from any player that I've coached or been around um, practice meant so much to him and everything was a competition and he talked so much trash and he literally drove some guys off the team guys yeah. who couldn't take it because his whole philosophy was I'm going to talk trash I'm going to put pressure on you and you better be able to deal with that otherwise you're not going to be able to to be my teammate and there were guys he drove right out of the Right out of the organization, and it was it was amazing. What happens if him and Draymond are on the same team somehow? Oh man, that would be so. I, I think would they Draymond, get along, or would they fight to the oh, death? Oh no, Michael would love Draymond. Yeah, would love him. You know, because he because of how hard he plays, and and Draymond, I'm pretty sure would would have revered Michael. Yeah, I was know? gonna say. So I think it would have worked fine. Yeah, he probably would have tried to keep up with them in the casinos, which might not have been good for yeah, Draymond. Might not have you might have to have a talk with Draymond. Now we're having a time machine conversation about Draymond. Uh, <laughs> Jason says, can you give us a story of MJ's inhuman competitiveness? This is a natural follow-up question. We used to have um, this, this game. We called it the, the, uh, the Jack Haley shootout. And <laughs> so every, for some reason, uh, every shoot-around, Jack Haley, rest his soul, passed away last year. Yeah. Um, great teammate, fun guy to be around. He was, uh, he was our 15th man on the Bulls. He wanted to have a contest from the hash mark. And it started out as Jack and, and me and Judd Bushler, I think, and the three of yeah. us. And Michael saw it happening, and oh, no. he wanted in. Yeah. And before long, um, there were eight guys who took part, and we did it every shoot-around, and it was for money. Oh, no. And when Michael would win, it, you know, it's, you think about the hash mark. So it's out of bounds. He had to shoot from out of bounds at the hash mark, probably a 35, 40 footer. Yeah. And when he would make it, it was like he won game seven of the finals. I mean, <laughs> it was insane. And there was money, you know, money involved. I yeah. can't remember exactly how much we shot for, but, you know, he demanded the money right away and he talked so much junk about Did it. Did Randy Brown come over and hug him each time after yes. he won? Like, Randy took <laughs> part. Randy was part of the Jack Haley shootout. Um, is there a Michael Jordan story you've never told before today? One that you've just kept buried on ice all these years. Maybe it was a Jack Haley shootout. I don't know. Have you if told, I that told that one? Yeah, all right. We'll Maybe use that, that one. All right. Uh, one more MJ question. Was any player sneaky good against MJ in practice to the point that you were just shocked that they could go toe to toe with him? Mm. This is from Tyler. I guess the answer to that the was probably no. no. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, no. sorry yeah. Tyler. <laughs> Uh, would MJ have won six titles without the triangle? That's from Sean in Warsaw, Indiana. I'm going to say no. 
I think less than six. I think less than six, too. Yeah. They could have made him move around and give up the ball a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. But we do you, the triangle can't work anymore at this point in time, right? You've borrowed pieces of it, but it can't actually work the way yeah, basketball's played I think now. It's, 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 it was hard to run back then. It took yeah. a special coach and a, and a special group of players. Obviously, you have to have talent in any offense. But um, that was a – you know, you had Tex Winter who was, invented the offense. You had this incredible coaching staff. And you yeah. Had, and you had a superstar who was ready to – I into it. I'll t- this is my favorite Michael Triangle story. Uh, yeah. I wasn't even there yet, but I heard the story the next year. <laughs> uh, 91 finals, they beat the Lakers, they finally break through. And Phil Jackson says to Michael halfway through the fourth quarter of the clinching game, uh, they're, they're double teaming him every time, and Michael's forcing some shots. And, and uh, Phil says during a timeout, Michael, who's open? Yeah. And Michael won't answer and he's like Michael who's open and finally you know the third time MJ who's open and Michael looks at him says Pax and, and Phil goes and throw him the effing ball right right and and this is what was great about Phil like he would challenge anybody and but he was you know he had this partnership with Michael but he wasn't afraid of Michael and so he challenged him that was like the watershed Jordan that kind of buying moment. in moment right that yeah. was the moment and if you remember Pax hit Five straight jumpers in the yep. fourth quarter, breaks the game open. And I think that was the moment where Michael realized, as good as he was, he had to rely on his teammates. And that was the value of the triangle. Not that it made any difference for Michael, yeah. but it made all the difference for John Paxson and for me and for B.J. Armstrong and for everybody else. And, and that was that's the whole point of any offense. Like we, it doesn't matter what we run. KD and Steph are going to. Keep people engaged. Fine. Keep people engaged. Have them touch the ball. Having the have president Brad Stevens is a big believer in that. Big believer keep people in that. keep yeah. people touching the, president. the ball. Yeah. The president. Speaking it? of presidents, Suman asks, "Is the official ticket in 2020 going to be Kerr Popovich or Popovich Kerr? <laughs> Who's the lead? Who's president? We're going. Have you guys Pop- figured that out yet? We're going Popovich Stevens. That's the ticket. Popovich Stevens. Yeah. I'm just going to raise some some campaign money but. Popovich Kerr right because he's older or you don't know oh, you haven't Popovich decided for sure it leads the ticket okay. there's no question about that uh, Malik wants to know what do you feel an athlete's role should be in today's politically charged climate what downsides do you see I think a, an athlete's role is anything that he wants it to be I think that you know it doesn't nobody's required to say anything but everybody should feel uh, the, the right to say whatever they want it, um, that's kind of the founding principle of our country, right, to free speech. And I think, I think a lot of athletes are feeling responsible now to say something and, and uh, to speak up and be heard, and the times are calling for that. And uh, the repercussions are, you, you know, you could lose endorsements or, I don't know, maybe you'd gain some. Um, there's probably a, you know, a yin and a yang to it, but depending on what you're, who you are, what you're saying. But um, the the main thing is I don't think you you should worry about the repercussions if you believe in something strongly enough that should outweigh any thought of an endorsement deal or anything like that. Can you believe the NBA? Like think about the last twenty years you spent in the NBA. Probably like especially the lockout, the late nineties, and those weird Portland team, that weird Portland team you're on, and just the way people thought back then versus how conscious of everything mm. people are now, and it's kind of the league's uniquely positioned to do something meaningful here 
and I and it already has been happening in the last two years. I but agree. I never would have expected that twenty years ago. You never would have said, you know, who's going to really help things if right. the country's ever in a dark yeah, place? Yeah. The National Basketball Association. Yeah. It's just Great weird. Point. It's hard to get used to. But these uh, these guys, these I talked to Tanahasi Coates about it on a podcast a couple of weeks ago. That and there's probably a variety of reasons for it. But the guys that are coming into the league seem so much more mature. Mm-hmm and thoughtful and just kind of put together. And I think there's a bunch of reasons for that. And I think the NBA is really good at kind of looking out for the guys coming in. But I also think they've learning from generations before them. LeBron learned from the crazy generation before him. These guys that came after learned from his generation. And now you just people handle their business the right way. Yeah, they do. And the league's done a great job with their leadership of – yeah, you know, it feels more like a partnership than it ever has to yeah. me. I think Adam Silver's done an amazing job. Um, it feels like we work together, and I think uh, the league has given our players the right to feel good about using their platform. Um, and, and because ultimately, every guy is using his platform for something positive. Whether you believe every guy has a platform, <laughs> yeah, yeah, everybody has a platform. But you know, nobody is promoting violence, right? I'm like, yeah. every one of our guys is promoting, uh, you know, something positive. It just so happens that we're in such a politically divisive climate that a lot of our guys are pa- painted in a negative light. Yeah, as if you know what they're saying is. Uh, it's political in nature, but it really is more about humanity than anything else. Speaking of that, Benji from Tel Aviv, Israel. Oh, yeah, people emailing from all over the place. If Dennis Rodman had played during modern times with Twitter and the current political climate, how would that play out? <laughs> Maybe the North Korean situation would have been solved by now. <laughs> or worse. Or we'd be at war, or one or the other. <laughs> Would he? Uh, would they have had to delete all of his social media accounts by oh, like yeah. December? Can you imagine? Wow. I can't imagine. I mean, you played with the guy. Yeah, he like would disappear. You wouldn't even know where he was. Well, we didn't know anyway back then. Yeah, yeah, but uh, or now now we would know where he was because it would be on Twitter. But, yeah, but that's how we would find out. Three thirty in the morning, some Vegas strip joint. <laughs> it's like, wait, we have a game in Arizona in twelve hours. Uh, Will wants to know if you could change any in-game rule in the NBA, what would it be? This is a good question. I would get rid of replay. Um, you get rid of replay? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Other than uh, buzzer beaters. Um, and like, I would have very, very limited replay. Um, I think I agree. Yeah. I, I, my big passion here was getting rid of timeouts, and they actually got rid of some of them. And it's the game good. moves faster, right? The game moves faster. Yeah, and it's got a different more vibe. Prepared, and, and uh, the players uh, have to, to be more prepared uh, late game because you can't keep calling timeouts. But I think the replay thing would enhance the flow that you're talking about. Um, yeah. The fewer timeouts is good for flow, but fewer replay would fewer re- replays would also be good. For I'm them. with you. I think buzzer beaters and then maybe three pointers during a timeout, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where it's like, hey, we reviewed that over yeah. during the timeout, and that was a three, not a two. Even that that's one it. bugs me a little bit, based on the Ray Allen shot um, against the Spurs. Um, you know, the famous shot in Game Six of the Finals in '13. Yeah. So Ray Are you Allen, saying his foot was on the line? No. His oh. foot was six inches behind the line, but because of the rule, the official was scared to death to not look at it. Oh, right? yeah, and the Spurs could have taken it out. Could have taken yeah, it yeah, out. yeah. And Ray Allen's buried in the corner. And yeah. the Spurs have Tony Parker, the fastest guy in the league. And, yeah. And if there's no replay on that, the Spurs inbound and it's a four on four, and Parker actually gets a way better shot than right. what he ended up getting. 
And so the what what's really tricky with replay is the unintended consequences. And so I would like to see it restricted to just the most basic stuff, buzzer beaters. That's smart. And even the three-point stuff, like, you know, if you get the call wrong, if his foot is barely on the on the line, I don't know. I can kind of live with that. I don't, that sounds crazy, but at, at the expense of, like, the flow and the pace of the game. Well, the same thing with the NFL. Like, you'll see the guy like Safari and Jenkins in the Jets game this week caught a touchdown. They reviewed it. They cut it down to one one-millionth of a freeze frame, and the ball moved, like – you know, imperceptibly, but it was yeah. like, no, not a touchdown now. It's like, that was a touchdown. Yeah, it was a touchdown. Yeah, it uh, definitely yeah. was. I saw that play. I thought the same thing. Um, which current player would you, as Steve Kerr, the NBA player, in a time machine coming back, most want to play for? I guess this is basically what current what which current player do you think would with? make a great, great coach? Oh, play four. Yeah. Play four. So which current player would make a great coach? Yeah. Um. Andre Iguodala, I think. Um, he wouldn't want to do it, but he would make. He's too a great rich, coach. like yeah, he's yeah. made like two hundred million dollars, and he's like he he's gonna have a nice retirement, and do whatever he wants. So you think but, Iggy could be a coach? Uh, oh, phenomenal, unbelievable. Handle the media, mind, and he's got the right uh, edge, and yeah, he would handle the media. He he could do it with his eyes closed, but I don't think he will. Maybe you could make him like your. 12th man guy who's kind of the coach, but not really. Keep him around for an extra couple of years. <laughs> He's too good for that. Oh, uh, you're going to like this one. Caleb in San Diego. Can San Diego ever work as an NBA city? It feels like sports purgatory here with the loss of the Chargers. Yeah. I, I don't think San Diego is a, an NBA city, and I've been a resident of San Diego. Yeah, you since, love San Diego, to be fair. My, yeah, that's yeah. where our home base is. Um, I've lived there since 2004. And... Um, you just don't think they have the businesses for the suites? No, there's just too much going on. And, and, it's too you know, nice. You go to the beach, you go hiking, you do whatever you want, you play golf. And, and um, you know, the, the, I was crushed when the Chargers left. I'm not even a huge Chargers fan, but yeah. I knew what the Chargers meant to that city, and it just bummed me out. Um, yeah. But, you know, the NBA was, was there with the Clippers in the late seventies, I guess. It didn't it go didn't, well. Didn't work very well. And yeah. I don't know. I don't I don't it doesn't feel like an NBA city to me. What if it was like a ninety five hundred seat arena just for all rich people? No? Okay. Uh, <laughs> Bryce from LA wants to know who had or has the biggest NBA entourage you've ever seen? Oh wow. We'd have to go backwards probably for that one. Probably, yeah. Um, should mention you did play in the Portland team that one year. Yeah, yeah. Um, actually, that team was relative, relatively quiet in terms of the entourage. Um, Jordan? Jordan had a big entourage, but a lot of it was security. Yeah, bodyguards. Guys, and they would just play poker in his suite every night on the road because he couldn't really go out. But, yeah, he had the biggest entourage. But he Tim needed- Duncan. Tim Duncan had the <laughs> yeah. biggest entourage. When he's hanging out with rappers. And- yeah. Um Rahul wants to know which NBA player could be the next Tony Romo, a.k.a. just an awesome TV guy. Ah, yeah. That's a good um, question. That is a good question. Uh, I think J.J. Redick probably could. Oh, you mean the, the host of the uh, J.J. Redick podcast on the Ringer Podcast there Network? There you go. Oh, yeah. shameless plug. Yeah, well, yeah. you did it. I didn't do it. <laughs> I think Dwayne Wade could be really good yeah. if, if he wanted to do it and if he was actually candid and did the homework. And I think Kobe would have been good if he oh, wanted to do it. He's, he's too rich. Yeah. But, uh, how about Chris Paul? Maybe. I, I think all of these guys have too much to lose. 
Romo, I what think. Do you, what do you have to lose doing TV? I just think they've made a lot of money and they don't want to get people mad at them. That would be my fear. Romo yeah. doesn't care. Romo's just going to say whatever. Yeah. I don't know what, what NBA star is wired that way. All these guys are very conscious of what they're saying. Yeah. That would be that. my fear. Yeah. I, I think you even I think, were like, you were you 10% held back when you did TV, even though I thought you were fantastic. But you were, you, there were lines you wouldn't cross. You're just saying that because I do your podcast now and then. Well, no, but there, there were lines you wouldn't cross. Um, there were yeah, certain players yeah, that played yeah. ways you didn't like that yeah. you could have killed and yeah. you didn't. Yeah, agreed, agreed. And I, I think the trick in broadcasting is finding a way to make your point without without murdering without people. murdering the player yeah. but but the fans get it right, right. The fans understand what you're what you're saying and you can be and, and you're not you're not being necessarily diplomatic you're being uh, pointed in your critique but without you know personally offending people and I think that I think it's uh, it's very possible to do that but some people like the guy who's just gonna destroy everybody well that's Tommy Heinsohn now who's like oh. 85 and doesn't give a crap like, shoot the ball <laughs> <laughs> just gets furious. He cr- he's the biggest homer of all time. <laughs> oh, he's the too. best. It's unbelievable. So bad. He, he gets hit four times. Oh, the- that's oh. a terrible shot. <laughs> um, what is the biggest change you think is coming to basketball in the next 10 to 20 years? That's from John in Reykjavik, Iceland. Reykjavik. Reykjavik. Iceland. Reykjavik. Sorry, John. What'd you call him? Capital City. Capital yeah. City. Um, I have no idea. I don't either. You know, it's hard to... I mean, I, I couldn't have ever predicted that there team be teams shooting 43-pointers in a game. If you told me that 15 years ago, I would have. How about 44-A game? That's what the Rockets are doing right now. It's crazy. 44-A game. Nuts. Eric Gordon shooting 10 threes a game. Yeah. It's, yeah, I don't, uh, I don't know the answer either. I do wonder if the Giannis-Anthony Davis type of athlete is just going to multiply. Yeah, but how many, I mean, how many guys – can there be like that? I mean, the one thing that's happening right now is the center is becoming obsolete, the yeah. traditional center. We've got like five of them on our roster. We've got five centers on our roster, and they all are niche players. They all right. do something very specific and very well. But the, the, the center 10 years from now is going to be like, like the um, Anthony Davis type. I mean, now, now Durant. Durant, Giannis, but – but those guys are freaks of nature. Like, how many are there? How many people like that are there on Earth who are built like that, who are coordinated enough? But the the point is, of the the modern center is going to be versatile and a playmaker and a rim protector all in one. It's almost like what's happened with NFL running backs. Like the Patriots have four different running backs who have four different sets of skills, basically. Yeah, and they just rotate them Funnel depending. In. And the Eagles are now trying to do that, but I wonder. Bad for if, fantasy football yeah, owners. Awful for fantasy. <laughs> uh, Jalen Rose believes this is from Dave in Venice Beach. Jalen Rose believes that the infamous Jordan flu game was actually the Jordan hangover game. <laughs> so, which was it? 1997 NBA champion Steve Kerr. It was the Jordan um, uh, elevation game. What's the? Uh, what do you get when you climb Everest? You get like. Um, oh, that you get like the the. Uh, the bends or no the yeah. reverse bends. So or? we were staying in Park City. Yeah, um, I'll never forget. We the, the before the series started, Phil Jackson put it up to the players. You can either stay in a lousy hotel downtown because all the main hotels are were booked, yeah. or we can go stay in this resort in Park City. Yeah, but it's forty five minutes away on the bus and it's elevated and and you know Michael wanted to stay downtown, but most of the guys wanted to stay 
Park City. And so we ended up staying in Park City, and he got sick. And I think it was it might have had to do with the altitude. And but I'll, I mean, the morning of that game, um, we went we had a shoot around at a high school in Park City, and he was getting an IV like he was a mess. So. It was legit flu that may have been related to uh, the elevation. That sound good? This sounds like the Lee Harvey Oswald was the lone <laughs> shooter. Uh, Joey Hickman wants to know, how would you coach against those late 90s teams with your Warriors? Well, <laughs> What would you do with MJ? Yeah, we'd have to put, we'd have to put Andre on him. Andre would be our best bet. Um, we wouldn't want to wear KD down, right? You know, so we'd put Andre on him a lot, um, but we'd take turns on him. And uh, you know, every, every time I hear this argument, like who would win, right? It's, I, you can't I, say. I, I, well, I first I can't really say, but m more importantly, the rules. I keep going back to the, the rules are so different now. Right. We and, talked about this the last time, and the threes. I actually think you guys would be favored because of the threes. You'd be getting. Ten I, extra points a game I'm on shots. I'm guessing those Bulls teams attempted 12 threes a game. Yeah. Maybe 15 at the most. They're also scoring 97, 98 yeah. points. You're at 160. Yeah. So can you imagine I'm on the floor with uh, Luke Longley, right? No, Which Luke, happened all the time. But Luke Longley's not playing in that series, I think, is part well, of this it. This is right. my yeah. point, right? So I'm on the floor with Luke Longley, you know, Michael, Scotty, um, Ku coach, like that's the lineup that we had that lineup all the time. Yeah, or Pippen, right? What's what are the Warriors going to do? Steph Curry, Draymond Green, pick and roll. Like what? How yeah, the hell am done. I going to guard that? Or how the hell is Longley going to guard that? Right? You're getting a lot of Bushler. You talked about that last yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. We, you, 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 a lot of Ku coach, maybe guys. at center. Yeah, yeah. Those Bulls teams were ahead of their time, though, in terms of the switchability. Yeah. You know that the the team that the Bulls would have thrown against us would have been Harper. Pippen, Rodman, uh, Jordan, Kukoc. Right. And switch everything, and holy shit. And like, slow the I pace mean, down. Like, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, slow the pace down. and Try to get um, everybody to play 40 minutes yeah, out of those but five. Both teams are switching everything, and, and uh, you know, the, the Bulls would have had an impossible time with Curry, and, and we would have had an impossible time with, with MJ, and it would have been – it would have been fascinating, but again, the rules were so different that, you know, we were shooting a ton of threes. That's more of a stylistic difference, but the rules were that, you know, were, were, there was so much illegal defense back there back then so that if you tried to guard Michael using kind of a zone, it was illegal. Now you can kind of do that stuff, so it's, it's just a hard comparison. You would have played when Sean Livingston was in the game. He oh, would have come in, and then he would have posted you up. He would have torched you yeah, on the block. He would have taken me? you. He would have been like, ISO! <laughs> uh, I would have been waiting Your defense for... was not that bad. You've, you've made it kind of an urban legend. You took it to Stockton. You at least made him work. I, I, I tried hard, and I, I made I mean, you guys hated each other, so you really yeah. drove you to another level. And now I love him. I mean, that guy, uh, I've seen him quite a bit since then. Yeah. And uh, he's fantastic. You're like two prize fighters that had could, great fights. could stand him back. Michael R. wants to know, it's 1987. You're at a bar with your final four teammates from University of Arizona. Sean Elliott, Tom Tolbert, Kenny Lofton, and you. Who gets the girl you all want? Tom Tolbert did get the girl. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, so this is a great story. So we, we had these team dinners. I think we went to Fridays. Yeah. And the, the waitress was just drop dead. 
gorgeous, right? And the guys are all like, like, oh my God, look at her, look at her. And Kenny Lofton is like, to like totally trying to hit on her. Well, Kenny Lofton was like baseball player, basketball player. Like, oh, yeah. I mean, he had some swag years in the big leagues. Oh yeah, and yeah, yeah. And so you know, he's like trying to get her number, and Tolbert not only gets her number, but ends up marrying her. Wow. And they're happily married. They got three TGI great kids Fridays and, at Fridays. Amazing. She was, you know, she's in college working at Fridays, and we have the team dinner. Tolbert got the girl. Incredible. <laughs> Kenny Lofton played 17 years in the majors. You won seven titles. Couldn't, couldn't. Elliot won some titles. Yeah, Everybody yeah, wins. Nothing. nothing. All right. Remember, if you want to hear part two of the Steve Kerr mailbag, which really goes in some crazy directions, uh, you'll have to wait until Friday. I'm sorry. We have Joe House on the line right now. Joe House, how are you? I'm outstanding. I wanted to do this MeUndies read with you because you love MeUndies. Well, Every year. I, it, I okay. do love MeUndies, and it's also topical because we're going to talk about something that, that is moving, creating some excitement in MeUndies. Yeah. <laughs> Every year, millions of people receive the least like, like gift of all time, underwear. Why is it least liked? I love getting underwear. We still give it I to mean, our too. Maybe that's a middle-aged thing. Yeah. Well, we still give it to our family and our loved ones. Maybe it's not the underwear that's the problem. Maybe it's the kind of underwear. Let me tell you about MeUndies, the only underwear that makes for an amazing gift. Soft, flexible waistband, three times softer than cotton. Natural, sustainably sourced fiber. I'm not lying when I say this. It's the only underwear I wear. It's actually kind of embarrassing. My wife's making fun of me now that I'm, I'm, a, I'm a all MeUndies, but what can I do? I enjoy the underwear. Makes for the perfect gift that everyone is going to love you for. It's a damn holiday miracle this year. Don't give underwear. Give me undies this holiday season to get your exclusive 20% off the softest underwear and socks you'll ever wear. You think they'll ever make golf undies for your house? Like with golf well, balls and nice drivers? Me, the, the me undies, the, the performance fabrics uh, that they use, very conducive to, to golfing. I've played more than, than 10, more than a dozen rounds in me undies. There you go. Well, free shipping, 100% satisfaction guarantee. Go to meundies.com slash BS and you get 20% off. Again, meundies.com slash BS. Speaking of underwear house. <laughs> yeah. Um, Tiger Woods, who just continues to hurt our feelings and and make us stay in love with him all at the same time. He goes and, and plays golf with our controversial president, who not a lot of people like at this point, but some people do, not a lot of people. Um, but at the same time, he's playing golf and he's playing well, and there's just all these positive golf stories and... Uh, he's hitting the ball. He's hitting the hell out of the ball. He's looking good. People are raving about him. When do I drop my guard, House? When do I buy into this? Um, this time next week. So what I would say is, uh, this year, this year's version of <laughs> is Tiger back carries with it a couple of distinguishing factors that I think are, are reason for cautious optimism at this stage. I mean, we're definitely in the zipper zone, but I'm not ready to fully unzip until I see a couple things. In the first place, last year's event, this, his performance at this same thing that he's about to embark on, he led the field in birdies. He was number one in birdies, but he finished 15 out of 17 in terms of the guys that actually played because there was still some rust uh, to his game in terms of a competitive golf. If he 
is able to replicate. I don't really care how he scores necessarily. Uh, you know, he may still have some of that rust, but if he again is in the top three of these 18 top shelf competitors uh, with birdies um, or better, then I'm going to be excited. Like the zipper is going to go down a little. The second thing <laughs> that I'm interested in is afterwards the the post tournament pressers. What is he talking about in terms of what comes next? Now, so far, I very much liked what he said, which is, I don't have plans. I don't know what I'm going to do in terms of a season next year. Because to me, the big mistake of last year was using the the, the performance down in the Bahamas at this um, basically a fundraising event. And, and using it to kind of restart the entire Tiger engine with uh, a, a real lack of concern or consideration for his physical capacity for, for being part of the Tiger engine. Yep. So he, he signed a ball deal, he signed a club deal, and he immediately got his schedule filled up with appearances in, in far-flung places, including Dubai, which was the moment that marked the end of that return. He played one round, walked off a golf course, said that's it, got on the plane, came home, and went under the knife for the fourth time. House, I have I have an announcement to make. Okay. You and I are going to Augusta this year. Oh! And Tiger Woods is going to... How gonna, about it? And Tiger Woods is going to be there. And I'm, I'm, I'm betting on El Tigre. This is happening. Wow. I've never been... We've been talking to uh, our friends at Callaway and, you know, the the sponsor yeah. of the Shack House Pod. They really want us to sure. go to Augusta. And uh and I think I think it's gonna happen, House. I think this is this, this is, is this is in play. If, if we're back if we're together at Augusta, and I've been a handful of times, but if, if but you're not with me. virgin if your virgin experience at Augusta includes Tiger, if if you if Tiger takes your my your Augusta virginity, virginity, yeah, yeah, I mean that's that's a hell of a way for it to come out, right? It's I can't think of a better way, and I really feel I've, I I'm buying in this time. I really feel like this is going to happen. We also have WrestleMania that weekend in New Orleans. Oh, that's that's New Orleans and and Atlanta, not that summer. far away. It reminded me yeah. of. I think it was seven years ago when we did the Audi Challenge. We drove from Washington to Miami for the Super Bowl. Remember that? that? The Efficiency yeah. Challenge. We came in last. Who was the quarterback that Chad won? Chad Henney. I never liked him after that. Chad Henney drove what? 52 miles an hour to win the Efficiency Challenge. What'd you win, Chad yeah, Henney? You were in the with, car with for the 12 windows hours. Up and, and his wife in the, his 110-pound wife in the car and no stops and the radio off. Congratulations, yeah. Chad. You're a big winner. Yeah, remember overcompetitive Bill was trying to figure out how to win that whole thing, and we quickly realized in a half hour that I should just drive 80 miles an hour. We should try to get to Miami as fast as possible. But we were we through did the that, south. and we listened to music, and we stopped at three Chick-fil-A's, yeah. so I and, don't regret any of it. And we had the air conditioning on. Thank you, Audi. But, that was great. Yeah, <laughs> we needed it. It was Miami. And, and... It was it was good times all around. I am, uh, I'm, I'm really starting to get focused on... Tiger in 2018. I think we need sports more than ever with how crazy this last, uh, this 2017 dating back to 2016 has been. And uh, just in general, like all good news is, is well received lately. Tiger might come back. Great. I, I couldn't be happier. Just give me some good news. 
Yeah, something on the weekend to look forward to. Even if, see, my hope for outcome with Tiger in terms of a schedule, well, my first hope for outcome is uh, four rounds of pain-free golf, including one round that has that Tiger feel to it. He had one last year. He shot 65 and had the low round of the day. I think it was the second round. Yeah. Uh, last year, and every guy, everybody was excited. I mean, you know, he was walking after putts. He had a couple Tiger points at him, and that's really when last year's zipper zone. I mean, the zipper was all the way down. I just want you know, get through the four rounds, no pain. Have one Tiger, even if it's only nine holes. Give me a Tiger nine holes, and then come out and say I'm I'm going to tap the brakes. I'm gonna, I know I'm going to do this event in California in February, and I know that you know I'm going to do this event. You know, men, mentioning one or two events through the course of the season that God willing and His body uh, capable that He's going to do, and say, and of course I'm going to play the four majors, and then maybe a ten event schedule comes into shape. Yeah, that's going to really get that. Now you got my attention. Like one event a month through the through the season featuring Tiger. Bam, golf is back, baby. We uh the last time we talked on the pod we did we broke down the top twenty players right now. A gimmick that we eventually figured out about forty five minutes in. I think we finally figured out what the parameters <laughs> were. Um But we've I really I liked how it turned out. I liked the game and it's been funny even since we did that, a couple things have happened. One was first of all, we 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 did a top 20, but somehow 21 players were in the final cut, which more than a few people were reminded both of us of how stupid we are that we can't count from one to 20. Big surprise. You and I got that wrong. Yeah. Who, who would have guessed? Andre Drummond was on the bubble on the fringe. Uh-huh. We couldn't figure out uh-huh. whether he made it or not. And we argued about it. And ever since we've done that pod, he's, I, it's almost like he heard it. He destroyed the Celtics two nights ago. He's definitely on. I was thinking about, we're at the one quarter mark right now. And, what the like if i obviously it's a ridiculous thing to do what would the all nba teams look like but i think it's a good oh, exercise wow. to be like all right what are the all nba teams we're at the one quarter mark what do they look like you know i always like to have a center or somebody who's kind of like a center on there i've never been a fan of the just vote five guys i want it to actually seem like a basketball team i think the first team through 20 games is unassailable Obviously, LeBron, who's having one of the great seasons he's ever had statistically. You hear me knocking on wood? I'm just knocking on wood. You say LeBron, I start knocking on wood immediately. Well, we we made the case for him to win the MVP last year, and he waited a year. Now he's going to win one last one, it looks like. But LeBron— I don't know. I'm fine with him whipping this team into shape. Helping them, you know, uh, letting them ride his back until the little guy comes back, and then a little bit of chemistry into January, and then tap the brakes. Let LeBron to get his rest for the playoffs. I don't think he's That's thinking that way. I, th- I think he's thinking I'm going to have one of the all-time lay the smackdown seasons. Everybody can go fuck themselves. Jesus. I think that's where Jesus. he's at. I think that's where his head's at. Wow, I got incredible. LeBron and Giannis, James Harden, Steph Curry, who's been incredible this season and is is somehow underrated, even though he's one of the best five players in the league. And then uh, Boogie Cousins. I, I don't think there's any Ooh. way Boogie is in the first team All NBA center on the or whatever big guy whatever you want to say. You could make a case. You could maybe move Giannis as the quote unquote rim protector. Again, I'm taking liberties with the first team, but I really do think it should at least somewhat resemble a basketball team. But I think Boogie's the first team. I think he's been first team All NBA. This is somebody 
I would not even have voted for for third team All NBA the last couple of years. Your reaction to that? I feel like it's deserved. I tried to make a case. I don't recall where we where he ended up in our top twenty. Um, oh, he was he, he was, was in the top twelve. I was going to say whether, whether I wasn't uh, sure whether it was top twelve, top ten. Uh, but you know, I I felt very strongly and continue to about you know the. The no drama, you know, he care, always carries a little drama, but the no drama boogie this season, and he's been absolutely unstoppable. I mean, I, I have abs- I'm, I'm thrilled to have Boogie on the All NBA first team. He's having one of the great center seasons we've seen in a while. I'm, lo- I'm looking up his stats right now. He's, well, it's, he's and he's really truly a modern center. He really truly yeah. has that the the three point threat. Um, Listen to this, 25 and a half points a game, 12 and a half rebounds a game, five and a half assists a game, 1.6 steals a game, 1.6 blocks a game. It's like a little Hakeem-ish what's going on here. modern, yeah. Plus he's somehow averaging seven threes a game. He's making one third of them. That's the one. Um, That's right. It's a little ambitious. He's making his free throws this year. But just in general, like that team's a really good example because here's what I have on my second team. Anthony Davis, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Ben Simmons, and Andre Drummond. How about that? Hmm. How about you have that? Both Anthony Davis and and uh, Andre D- Drummond. Yeah, because I think Davis is a forward. I don't consider him okay. That's fine. A center, I but I I also think Andre Drummond genuinely deserves to be on that list. He is the best player on a team that I believe. I wouldn't even call them a fringe contender. I think they're kind of a semi-contender. I think that's a good team. And that's a team that has a trade to make, too. Um, but I, I just think that's a good basketball team. It's an old-school basketball team centered around uh, a rebounder post player who can also go on the top of the foul line and do these little handoffs. And guys who can shoot, their three-point shooting stats are fantastic. The weak link is Reggie Jackson, who I don't love. But that's somebody yeah. that, if they want to, they could – upgrade that Reggie Jackson spot if they really thought they had a chance to make the finals, which I think they do. Um, but he he demolished the Celtics the other night. They, my thing is, if you're going to make one of the first two All-NBA teams, you've got to demolish teams at least once every 10 to 14 days, and he's been doing that, you know? I think that, that was... That was also an interesting reminder of the real vulnerability that, that your this version of the Celtics uh, have. Yeah. I, which in, is... And they did smart things. They were doubling Kyrie, and they were just basically overpowering everybody down low. And the Celtics shot, like, at one point, they were, like, four minutes left. They were shooting, like, 56%. They were still losing. It was just a bad matchup. And uh, I think Detroit's a bad matchup for a lot of teams. I want to see when they uh, – I want to see them play Cleveland. I don't know when that next Cleveland game is going to happen, but I think that'll be a fun one because, you know – it's that, that Cleveland is still the litmus test. It's not the Celtics, even though the Celtics played the best in the conference the first twenty games. It's Cleveland is still the litmus test. How do you do yeah, against I like, Cleveland? I, I think Detroit was serving notice when that uh, Boston game. Like, yo, uh, we're here. And we're, we're not. We're not going anywhere. Right. We're, we intend to be discussed among these top four East teams. Here's where it's at. And it was good to see Avery Bradley. Avery had a good game. Um, against his old squad. And Tobias Harris, who really they got for free 
<laughs> two years ago, you know, like just yeah, about anybody yeah, could have had him. But um, what I what I liked about it is, you know, they had they had a really good win in Oklahoma City. They had a that really good win. win. That they, was really the the, the the bottom mark for for uh, yeah for Oklahoma right. City until they went out and lost the next game to the Nets. Right. But they or whoever they lost to their last three road games at Minnesota, at OKC, at Boston. All games were close last couple minutes, and they won all of them. I think it's a legit team. I I don't like Orlando when Orlando started started hot the first ten games. Kevin Clark, Ringer, yeah. Ringer uh, our Ringer resident Magic fan, was like, "This is ridiculous. That these shooting stats can't last. This is crazy. They're going to regress to the mean." They did. I don't think there's a regress to the mean with Detroit. I think this is what the team they have. Their three-point shooting might be a little high, but um, we should talk about your boy, John Wall. Okay. Just we quickly. Um, what do you want to talk about? <laughs> well, he's having knee issues, which seems like a problem because he said last year was the first pain-free thing that he had with his knee, first pain-free season that he had with his knee, and that they fixed it. And obviously, they didn't fix it, and he's hurt again, and uh, not good. Not good no, times. I think he, they they did fix it, and he had an unbelievable – tour last season and he came back this season uh in kind of what i would characterize as november form for him he's never been a guy that's come in firing out of the gates uh and he hurt he acted he he strained the knee yeah and maybe because of you know the past experience of it it was a a game two weeks ago that he strained the knee or whatever two and a half weeks ago and it's an injury, an injury that happened in play, not a wear injury, not a tear injury. And I think they're doing the right thing by being cautious. Can I be nervous uh, about the it? The only thing okay. huh? I'm going to be a little nervous about it, if you don't mind. I'm not, you can be nervous about it. Okay. I'm not nervous about right. it. Uh, I want them to be very, very deliberate with him this season because the truth of the matter is they lost last year because of miles on, you know, the, the mileage on both John Wall and Brad Beal. Yeah, that's and not so why you lost. You lost because of Kelly Olynyk laid the smackdown on your ass. You then, you went had, then you went I, and had food you know, with him on House of Carbs. I had dinner with him, and, and he's actually a, a fantastic dude. Uh, and it's much easier to, to break bread with him now that he plays for the Heat. But that was, that, was game, that was fourth quarter of Game 7. You're making my point for me. And, well, and Kelly Olenek went off because you know, the Wiz didn't have right. any answer you, you for keep, it. You keep telling yourself that. Listen, Washington, we're taping this on uh, Wednesday afternoon. Washington is 11-9. and nine. They're the seventh seed right now. Right behind them is Milwaukee 10-9. and nine. Miami 10-10. Ten and 10. I think Miami is good. I like that me team. Me too. Uh, the Knicks are ten and ten. Charlotte's eight and eleven, kind of lingering, waiting for Batum to start really looking like Batum again. This is a good conference, and my point is, with Indiana, with Philly, who the hell knows if Philly can stay healthy? But when they are healthy, it makes me think we're going to lose our our over under bet of forty one and a half. I think if Embiid stays on the floor the whole season, oh, that did team's... We, did we get it at 42 and a half? Whatever we did, we we if that team's going to stay healthy the whole year, we're losing the bet. We're I, half, that's true. I think there's a scenario where the Wizards don't make the playoffs, and I, I just wanted to make sure you were prepared for that mentally. I'm not I'm not countenancing any of this. This is total BS. It's it's worth well, 20 games so in. Your answer's no. I, if, I, if I was going to circle two teams that I don't think are going to make the playoffs because I believe both the Heat and the Hornets are going to make the playoffs. By the way, Dwight Howard. Have you seen? He's have back. You seen, you know, He's 100% uh, back. Uh, 
incentivize Dwight Howard? He's He's been one of the revelations this season. Here's the thing, though. Only eight teams can make the playoffs. I don't know if you're aware of this rule. Yeah. All right, yeah. So, so Indiana and Philly are not making the playoffs. You, you could put this down right now. Joe House said <laughs> Indiana and the Philadelphia 76ers, neither one of those teams are making the playoffs this year. So we have Celtics, Detroit, Cleveland, Toronto. I think they're all in. The yeah. last four spots right now, Philly, Indiana, Washington, Milwaukee. So it's going to be Washington, Milwaukee, my, uh, Miami, and Charlotte. That's think, who's making the playoffs this I year. I think you're sleeping on Indiana. I think that's a decent team. If, if they I, stay I healthy, I think that's like a 43-win team. I think it's going to take 44-45 for you to make it. I, lo- I love that I'm doing this, by the way. I, lo- I love that I've ruined the rest of your day because you hadn't really thought about this, but there's a path. If John Wall's three weeks, not two, you have no bench. All of a no, sudden, you're three is, games under, and now all of a sudden, you're looking up at this whatever. I'm fine with this. You know what I take comfort from? This conversation last year was you – uh, strenuously, and you enlisted some of the poor, you know, folks among from the Ringer staff to come support this nonsense. The Wizards need to trade John Wall now's yeah, the moment. I love that. Trade yeah. John Wall. And I was that right. Was like a, you, now, <laughs> now he's a gimp. Now he's a, now you can't play him. You should listen to me. Uh, I'm kidding. I love John Wall. I, I was wrong on that. I was wrong. Well, yeah, I, didn't know. I agree. I know you're wrong about it. I didn't know John Wall. 20 games in. Let's let the season go and develop a little bit. Listen, we might be 20 games in, but we also might have 11 playoff teams. Tate, is your mic on? It's not on? The important thing for uh, the Wiz is to hang Tate's around 500 until Wall in. comes back and is healthy. That's all. Tate, the Wiz are fine. Tate from afar, do you think Charlotte can catch Washington? Catch him. You're three. You're three games behind. You're two and a half games behind Washington right now. Tate's in. Tate's focused. Tate's focused on eight. Better. Plus, Dwight Howard owns the Wizards. Every time you play Dwight Howard, he kicks your ass. The, the Wizards are not playing Charlotte. This isn't a thing between the Wizards. Well, you and gotta Charlotte. pass him. You got. You gotta worry about pass, Charlotte, Miami. Gonna, the Wizards are gonna be in the four-five zone where they've been every year the past handful of years, except for the one year where we extended Randy Whitman one year too long. The Randy Whitman expiration date, nobody noticed that it said it expired, you know, <laughs> July 2015 or wherever it was. We had to have him one more year. I agree. You're going to be in the 4-5 zone. It's the 4%, 5% lottery ping pong ball zone. That's that going to be your I odds. You. I don't care. You, you're not I nearly this, concerned enough. I'm worried about you. karma... You know, you're creating bad karma for your your team occupies that karma. kind of a delicate I, spot my, right now. My $30 million small forward broke his ankle five minutes into the season. What worse karma well, can I have? That, that, that wasn't you. That was him. He he, he he cheated on the Mormons. They don't stand for that shit. <laughs> Get out of here. He cheated on the Mormons. That was, nah. that was Mormon karma. That was, that was him. That didn't have anything to do with Boston. That was a Jay Crowder shove that there's a camera angle of that I chose not to make a big deal out of. But he che- Jay Crowder he cheated definitely... on Rudy Gobert. <laughs> Gobert put some French shit on him. <laughs> you think he put some French, French voodoo stuff on him? him? He might have. Huh? He might have put some French voodoo stuff on him. He could have. I believe that. I, I listen. We've discussed this many times on the podcast. Don't don't trust the French. <laughs> Definitely don't, don't leave your girlfriend or wife around. Don't them. trust the French people. That's um, a fact. That last thing. MVP right now through twenty games: Harden or LeBron? LeBron. Yeah, it's I agree. Be LeBron. Just LeBron. What's weird is there's so a the there's a drop off after on- two. Yeah, it is one too. It's, we're waiting for Kawhi. When's Kawhi going to come back? Oh, Kawhi's out of the race. 
I think He's if uh, race right now, it'd be interesting if if New Orleans can climb up and get like a five seed with a two man team. We really have to start having a Boogie Cousins MVP conversation. Uh, if they I'm, win forty eight games, I'm rooting for it, but that. It just smells a little bit too much. That was that's how Westbrook won last year. He dragged a team that was, you know, an underperformer. Wow. He single handedly did it. Do you want one of my right side of history T shirts after I make them for me and Zach Lowe? Right side of history for what? For uh, not MVP? not voting Westbrook for MVP last year. Well, you know, you you I, I will, as long as we can put on the backside hashtag hoops perverts. Yes, <laughs> because I I told all those perverts out there. To, to not to do the right thing and, and to not, you know, celebrate this perversion of proper basketball. Nobody listened. It was a perversion. All right, we're gonna bring Eric Weinberger in to talk about Eli for two minutes. Joe House, as always a pleasure. When are you are you doing another Shack House before the end of the year? Uh we're gonna see how the tournament goes and, and kinda take play it by the seat. We you know, if if if, if we're in the zipper zone, there's nothing gonna be a Shack House. <laughs> the answers hopefully and dave chang on house of carbs this week we should plug that subscribe to yeah, house of carbs sure. if you love food it's a podcast for the hungry by the hungry joe house thank you always quick break to talk about movement holiday shopping can be tough but thanks to movement all that gift giving anxiety can disappear at the press of a button movement watches only start at 95 dollars. finish your holiday shopping get a movement watch for someone on your list with movement you can skip the crowds and standing in crazy lines. Find the gift they love at prices that beat department stores. Start at just 95 bucks by selling online. They're able to cut out the middleman and retail markup, providing a price that's four to five times less than you'd find at department stores. What a wonderful holiday gift. Classic design, quality construction, style, style minimalism. Over 1 million watches sold in over 160 countries. Get 15% off today with free shipping and free returns by going to MVMT. Dot com slash bill. It's a watch with a clean design. Makes a great fashion statement. Step up your watch game. Go to MVMT.com slash bill for 15% off. Join the movement right now. All right, last but not least, as promised, uh, Eric Weinberger, president of BSMG, Boston, Bill Simmons Media Group, The Ringer. So happy to be All here. That stuff. Uh, you named your son after Eli. That's right. I gave you the captain of the week on our Captain Morgan segment. Love it. You also gave away my age. You were the, I did. Was that bad? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> I uh, think in the newsroom it wasn't. It wasn't great for me. Yeah, it's fine. We're it's the fine. two it, oldest people it, at the ringer. It's over. So Eli, uh, since since that happened, Eli just gets kicked to the curb. Just kicked to the curb. He's like crying. Francesa loses his mind. Yep. The Giants fans really reacted in a way I expected. Just pure love and and anger and and sadness and, and nationally everyone's have you mentioned this on the pod on i haven't talked pod? about it yet this okay. is it so you mentioned earlier this is there's an outpouring of love for eli yeah it's kind of the best thing that could have happened to him it's a, it's an interesting point um let we get it straight i have a picture of me and of eli and me in front of me the giant's yeah. helmet yeah here you brought two props i brought props um i love eli yeah but we have always felt the need to protect Eli. Yeah. So uh, Fogelman's article on the ringer.com today. Yeah. Creator of This Is Us wrote about Dan Fogelman today. Called him Beautiful Boy. We we have always felt the need to stand up for Eli because he is such a gentleman and you, such a teammate. Very soccer momish with Eli. 
Yes. Like having a kid on the soccer team that you're just very defensive. And he's not going to come out and and he's not going to blast the Giants. He has been, even early days, Tiki Barber going on TV. Yeah. And really not saying anything that bad. He just said, Eli is not the guy to stand up and give rah-rah speeches. Yeah. We all knew that. We all knew what we were watching before the Super Bowls. We had so much fun at the Super Bowls. Un- I'm going to let that slide. Unbelievable wins. Yep. So everyone's looking to the past. Uh, so there's a little this, nostalgia to this week. There's a lot of nostalgia. Everyone's looking back. Many years now, too. We love Eli. He was the last link to this fun Giants era that had really died two and, years and ago. I, and I think, I think we all think it's still, maybe we're fooling ourselves that it can still be sort of fun. Yeah. Maybe last year fooled us. Um, I think it was just so shocking yesterday how it happened. But it doesn't happen to Jeter. It doesn't happen to... It could have. It happens to Brett Favre. It happens to a lot. It happens to Joe Montana. During right? the season for Geno Smith, tough. though? That, that's I mean, the that difference. Is... So that's the big difference. People were comparing yesterday. This happened to Favre. That was at the end of the season. And yeah. With some, with it's a been an unbelievable run. It was a very edgy breakup. Yeah. I'm not even sure if there's a breakup yet on this. Um, oh, I think there is. You, you think you're it's just in over. full he, denial. So he just he just goes somewhere else. Well, I just think he's a prideful guy. Like th- this happens, it's like okay, I'm going to find a new team. Now. I think he loves New York. I, I I might be in full denial that he stays. They draft a quarterback, and he helps the quarterback. I I can't believe the coach is still is going to live through this. I can't believe it. Right, Bob McAdoo. Bob McAdoo has Plax Burst called him repeatedly today on the Coward Show. Best. It, it it's a lot. It's a lot to take in, but I do know that we always feel this need to protect Eli, even during games when we're watching how bad it's going, how 50-50 he is. You're blaming Evan Ingram on Thanksgiving for dropping passes. I I mean, this season's a wash. That's what's so confusing about it, too. There's nothing happening here. Just let him play it out, and then you'll figure it out. It's not for Geno Smith. I mean, it's just not—it just doesn't make any sense. That's what's so confusing about it. But again, I know that during games, people are complaining about him. There's a big group of people that complain about him. And now um, it's another time to protect him because he just does, he, he would never, he was crying at his locker. I know. I mean, you just don't see that. So that's a big thing, part that's playing into this. Everyone feels like they need to come out and protect him. This has always been a Giants fans versus football fans thing with Eli. Where the football fans always picked him apart. He's not that good. He was lucky. Helmet catch. Manningham catch. But if not for that, he's not. He's nothing. He's never a top five guy. I've made some of these arguments, dude. Yeah. The Giants fans are completely on the other end of it. You don't understand. You, you don't hear the, the guy's Gi- a gamer. You don't hear the Giants fans that rip him throw by throw, play by play. I mean, it's it is are they rampant picking apart during like games. He sucks or picking him sucks. apart like just sucks. And every debate in the summer times is where does he rank? Is he a Hall of Famer? Is he this? Is he lucky? He's not lucky. The Tyree catch doesn't happen if he doesn't stay cool and get out of the pocket. Does a three sixty? He's so cool. Seven and so holding calm. Penalties. And it just, um, you know, everyone came to defend him when he had. Didn't he have some uh, autographing scandal maybe like a year oh, ago? Oh yeah. But everyone came out. I love to how defend. you pretend. You're like, wasn't there some sort of? <laughs> He's just you like Fogelman titled it beautiful boy i mean it just yeah. refers to like we we view him as the little brother that everyone needs to protect so it's weird and he has been amazing but you guys are all saying goodbye to him this week and yet he's not going away he might even 
I don't play know, in a game. I don't know where he's gonna. I just don't know where he's gonna go. They should have waved him. I, I really feel like the, the mistake them, was just wave him on Wednesday. Do and we just really say we're think like Eli. Tom Coughlin is in a room like we have to get Eli to win the Super Bowl? I, I, I just don't see that happening. But you're the one who said there's eight to ten guys every year who know how to drive the car, and he's one of the eight to ten. Oh, th- so that's if it's it. the right car. That's he why can I drive just don't it. understand why he's just not staying in until he really has to miss a game. I want to see him keep playing. Well, clearly they want to tank. Clearly, they Mara want just to said, have a I top think he just said that's pick. bullshit. I think he just came out and said, anyone who suggests that we're tanking is... Well, Geno Smith's terrible. We have an established track record that he's bad at football. I just can't imagine what's going to happen in Oakland this Sunday. And then I can't imagine... Oakland is also not very good. I mean, they might actually compete and maybe... Nah, they, they just don't have any... They don't. They have no athletes out there to do it. They, they Oakland's no good. You're right. They did it at the right time. They're going to Oakland. There was no way they could do this and like they have a home game. Oakland with Eli. They can't have a home game in Eli, but next yeah. home game is going to be a, you know... Eli the whole time. I, I just, I'm conflicted by it because I love what he does. I love him as a player. He's in the, you know, top five giant of all time. Um, top five giant of all time. Yeah. What is the top five? LT is number one. LT is number one football player of all GIF? time. Uh, GIF. Sims is up there. Wow. I mean, it's, you know, it's not, you know, it's not rosters of Hall of Famers. I like it's, un- your, it's unbelievable teams. I like your LT is the number one football player of all time statement. It's kind of controversial. I, mean, I like that Tate is sort of nodding back there. The well, cat, Tate the, is the from Chapel Carolina. Hill. Yeah. Tate. I mean, Jim, Jim Brown or LT? Jim Tom, Brown or LT? Jim Brown or LT. What and about say Tom, Tom Brady? Brady? Yeah. Well, you would want 17 years of the same quarterback who makes Super Bowl every year? We loved having LT. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's just no, there's no replacing LT. <laughs> there's really no, you know, films being made of them, books being written. Changing hey, he was a scab. Love, love the LT. Line. Love LT. Um, Did some terrible this is, things. This is a difficult one for everyone to swallow. I, I, I want to listen to Francesca today and see if he's calmed a little bit. It was, was, it was I mean, it was, it, was, really it was some great things happened. I said this to you yesterday. I'm going to say it again. Uh, not just that he brought back an old school Francesca performance, really from the depths. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it was one of the things I liked about it was it was just an old school football story that didn't have right. this kind of negative lens that's kind of ruined the last couple of seasons where everything. This is just a good sports story. It's like, wow, they. They really they finally Eli. did it. Holy shit. Yeah. Where does this go? Is he going to be on another team? It was just it, all this other stuff was stripped out of it's it. It's sort of been talked about. I mean, it is. Giants fans all know it's been talked about yeah. for a long time. You just assumed like, it would be after just, the season. Or you just, just, I don't know what you assumed. You just, you, there was no one waiting in the wing to take over. But it's been talked about this year. Let's see what Webb has to offer. What's the point? We just lost to the 49ers. Like, let's just see. So it's all been talked about. It was the abruptness. Like, we just walked around. We're like, wait, Eli just got benched. Yeah. And there was no real context to it. Like, oh, they had a discussion. Eli said, well, or if no I'm not going to finish the games, why start them? Let's see. I mean, I'm sure Eli was a complete mensch throughout every meeting. Yeah. And was like, all right, let's then play those guys. I'm I said st- to you, though. I, I, I can't believe he called up Archie or called his agent and was like, okay, let's see what the Jags can do. I, I just don't believe it. I, I just, I don't mm. believe it. I said to you, I thought the streak... You think he's in the Hall of Fame anyway? I'm not as convinced. No. There's people who have won two rings that aren't in there, you know? Um, there, there, there's, there's no way there's two Super Bowl and two-time Super Bowl MVPs and two-time rings that aren't in. 
is Sim does Sims count as two time? I guess he didn't win the no, set. Hostel he, he, was he's the one, one time, and he, I don't think he was the MVP. I think Otis. Oh, you're saying MVP? Yeah, yeah, yeah I get you. you know, I got you. Maybe he was the MVP. Um, but I, I thought the streak, if it had gotten to 240 or 250, I still combined think, with the rings, I think it makes him a Hall of Famer. It's just going to be so unusual because his win loss record is like just over 500. It's I know it's a tricky one. That I to me though, durability should really matter with this stuff. The fact that you have a quarterback that can just play 16 games a year, no matter what's going on, I think is important. It just creates getting rid of him. Getting rid of one of these 10 quarterbacks just creates such chaos to me in scouting, in preparation, the next three years, whether it's Darnold, Josh Rosen, like as good as they are, if they just don't have the right, now you have to just focus on the right pieces to protect, to build. Like, yeah. It's, Which was the fault of the last couple of years. Well, it, it was. I, there's no O-line. There's no running back. But you still knew the quarterback was going to be back there. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. You just He's playing every down. Look at all these other teams. Even if it's a good quarterback. Look at Houston. All right, he's already missed a season. Like That yeah. just never happened. No matter how good Luck's missed like two are, and a half seasons, practically. Luck, like it, it, no matter how good they are, there's four or five that just... They play every down. Yeah. And he's one of them. And we love and, him. And if you get Josh Rosen, you're in, and you'll have a fifth kid. You'll and name we love the fifth him. kid Josh. <laughs> him tearing up at his stall is like. Yeah, I was trying to think, I mean, what, who, other, what other all-time quarterback would have would have been near tears? People do it when they retire, but not, like, in that situation, you would think the guy would be like, I'm standing strong. Eli's just like. He's Eli. He He's wears it like, on his sleeve, man. Like, I feel like that's how my Eli, like, if yeah. he got benched in his soccer game, like, and Your he got, six -year -old in, got Eli. interviewed, my six-year-old <laughs> Eli, who will be seven tomorrow. Nice. But if he got, if we took the iPhone and we interviewed him when he got benched, like, he, he might tear up a yeah. little bit and be like, I just, you know, I'm here Bitter for the sweet team. birthday. Yeah, he's, I don't know. I, do I keep the signed Eli, Eli yeah. to Eli from yeah, Eli? I, I keep to, that on his wall, he right? He won you two, two rings, two trophies. Yeah. It's a good so, career. So they're out of it this year, huh? Yeah. That's the thing combined also. This is the worst Giants Well, you, you had Odell, who's one of the four most fun players in the league, and he's gone in three weeks. I mean, the 70s, I'm a kid. They're bad, bad, yeah. bad, bad. Ray Perk. I mean, bad. Pisarchik, bad. This was, this was as disappointing as it can be. Well, especially you think like... I still feel like they, they there was a chain of events where they win that playoff game in Lambeau if like Odell catches the first TD. What it's tough? They were they weren't one of the best three teams, but they were one of the best six or seven. They still could have won that game. And now but that's it's how like we they're one of the worst the three. That's how we think about the Giants. Like they could have won the game, should have won the game. They could have. They could have. They could have won that. But one. they didn't. Now you're a bottom three team, which I think needs to happen. I'd think, rather bottom yeah. out than anything. I think bottom two by the end of the year. I think Eli would have won you at least one more game that you probably would have regretted winning. What if Gino wins a couple games? <laughs> Definitely not worried about that. Not worried about Davis Webb either. I think Katie Bakes is is also struggling because she's so... Well, Katie Bakes has taken this the hardest. No, but but she's also, in a weird way, happy that it happened because of the Frances... Like she, she, oh, the Francesa song. She's just so happy about yeah. Mike getting one last real well, but, riff. And you know what? This says something a little bit about New York too because Francesa was the guy in New York forever. And... When he goes away, like who is the person in New York who who everyone turns to and goes, "What do you think?" about Everyone's this? so happy this didn't happen two weeks from now yeah. when it's going to be avoid. when it's going to be Bart Scott but ranting Bart Scott, about Bart it. Bart Scott doesn't care. I mean, that's He's probably like taking shots. At I Eli. think that's a real struggle. Yeah, like people were really happy. Okay, it happened. 
Let's listen to what Francesca is going to say. Right. Michael Kay had a couple great things too, and Kay is more close to the Yankees. Where, yeah, and he he was he's talking about a Rod got treated better by Yankees management. He was suing them. You right. Know I mean, he got suspended for a well, year. That's the part I don't get is there was a more graceful way to handle this. I think so. Too. And I think it should have been just we're releasing Eli tomorrow. I think it should. And have we been, want to give him a Mara, chance to Tish and Eli could have been sitting up there together. The three I don't of know. them. There was never going to be a graceful way out. It was going to be bad. Well, it's like the old saying, Coughlin and Cocktail. Who was your, who was your, everything ends badly or else it doesn't end. Right. Who was your Boston guy that it ended? Well, we traded Nomar. I mean, that was like, yeah. a, a, that was like a nuclear bomb. Drew Bledsoe. There was another yeah, one. That Drew had was like that our was a guy real struggle too though, right? 10 years. Yeah. And Brady came and he was just better. It was yeah. like, all right, we're going to trade Drew. <laughs> Happens. So we don't have that though. That's not going to be Gino. This no, is, it's not going to be Gino. This is just a clipping. It could now, be Chosen Rosen. It could be no one. It, it just could be, it could be nothing. But we stand by Eli. Two bowls. You got your helmet. You got your picture. You have your son named Eli. That's right. I think it's a win. Yeah. I think, I think you win. And Francesca. Francesca comes rant. back. That's great. Yeah. I'm glad you're holding up. I'm glad I'm back on. All right. Thanks. Uh, that's the end of the BS Pod on Friday. Steve Kerr, part two. The mailbag. Don't forget about SeatGeek. BS NBA. 20% off your first time order NBA tickets. What else do we have to plug? Anything, Eric? Ringer.com. Great like content Nathan's on there. today, too. Nathan wrote about uh, Snapchat. Dan Fogelman wrote about Eli. We launched a JJ Reddick podcast this week. We relaunched Binge Mode. More and we come. have an announcement on more Friday. To, yeah, more to come this weekend. Yeah, we have something really to announce fun. on Friday. So yeah. stay tuned for that. That's it for the BS podcast. Thanks, Dave Frazier. Thanks, Dave. See you on Friday. <laughs>